Golf and rock and roll, not logical, but it is fascinating. Playing down that big old fairway, don't want no hackers to get in my way. The boys and me got a big NASA going, even for a drive. It's the Golf Insiders, giving you the inside scoop on all things golf. Now, here are your Golf Insiders on 740 The Game. I love to play. Hey, bring me another bucket of balls. We love it. Hello, Orlando. You're listening to the Golf Insiders, taking you home on the fairways of I-4 in the house. Your host, Holly G, along with the best caddy on the planet, Back in his all whites from Augusta, Rich B. Hey, welcome. Uh, you know, it's always a pleasure to be here sitting with you in the Clear Channel Castle, Holly. And uh, we're going to enlighten our audience here with some uh, Masters rehash here. Yes, we are. And you were there, Rich B. Awesome. Masters never disappoints. And Adam Scott, congratulations, Adam Scott. I will say I did pick him last Week on the air, Rich B. So, little golf clap here, little yeah, golf clap for golf Holly clap. G. And uh, you know, I'm uh, I'm blown out of the water now. I had Tiger to uh, sweep the majors. I had him to win all four majors, and uh, I was a little bummed out when it came uh, to the playoff uh, with uh, Angel Cabrera and Adam Scott. Well, I'm thinking next year at the Champions Dinner, going to be a lot of blooming onions being served. What do you think? Oh boy, <laughs> that's a plug for. Uh, Outback the Outback? Yeah, nice. Um, well, good on for the Aussies because, uh, of course, this was uh, something they were trying to get off their back, the fact that um, an Australian had never won the majors, so, the Masters, excuse me. So kudos, kudos to Adam you know, Scott. Think, what uh, an unbelievable Masters. I think that uh, Sergio DJ and uh, Jason, yeah, Dustin Johnson and, Justin, and Jason Day. Day. All need to be uh, scolded for their fashion, bad fashion week for uh, TaylorMade this week. How can they dress those guys up and put them out on the course looking alike? Uh, that was just the craziest thing I ever saw. And the other crazy thing was I saw I ran into Doug Sanders. Doug, speaking of fashion icons. <laughs> Back in the day, people would go to golf tournaments just to see what Doug was wearing. Wasn't it... Um known that he carried like 86 pairs of shoes with him on tour or something yeah he's crazy uh you know and I, he walked by me and i didn't realize but he had on green shoes green pants and a green shirt and they all didn't really match but you know it was just the idea it's augusta <laughs> so he just kind of blended in with everything else yeah it was a bad fashion week for sergio dj and uh just jason day there well we have Terrible. a uh, packed lineup tonight of uh, many of our golf insiders who were there at augusta last week and we need to bring in our, our main man, our big dog from ESPN.com, Mr. Bob Herrig. Hey, Bob. Hey, how's it going, guys? My gosh. Um, the Masters never disappoints. And, Bob, this one, again, filled with so many stories. It was a bit of a wild week, as you uh, said so in your column um, on ESPN.com. But uh, I, I guess we should start with the beginning with this great playoff. Yeah, it was, you know, it uh, really the last hour, hour and a half really, really got good. I mean, uh, it was a little slow developing on Sunday. Uh, wasn't a whole lot happening, but then all of a sudden, 
lots of fireworks. You know, Jason Day made a bunch of birdies. Um, Adam Scott was right there. Angel Cabrera. Um, you know, it was uh, it was some really good stuff down the stretch. It's kind of nice that it it worked out that it was uh, uh, you know somebody winning it and not losing it. I mean, it's kind of hard to complain or knock Cabrera. You know, he he from the 14th hole on. He played great, you know, and made that great birdie on 18 and nearly chipped in on 18 in the playoff and and also almost made the birdie putt on the 10th hole. So, um, you know, it's kind of hard to criticize anything he did. Uh, Adam Scott just won it and obviously a very popular win. You know, that was uh, it was t- kind of hard to watch because it was raining here. It's raining in Georgia. And, you know, that's a tough slog. You know, that, you actually have to be in pretty good physical shape to uh, – to pull off what those guys pulled off and then go back out onto the golf course for a couple more holes. Yeah, um, you know, there was a lot of concern that it was going to that it was going to be worse than it was. Uh, uh it, it I found the rain probably to be to them more of a nuisance than anything. You know, it's just your grips get wet, you know, you keep the umbrella on, the ball, uh your clothes get a little I mean, it wasn't howling down rain, but it was just enough to be annoying and uh and, you know, obviously that can affect the way you play, but it sure didn't seem to bother those guys. I mean, uh, you know, coming in is some of the best golf they played. Uh, you know, Adam Scott, uh, you know, hadn't really done anything. And then he, on 13, he got that break. The ball didn't go in the water. He made birdie, um, you know, made another birdie at 15, birdie at 18 with the nice putt. And Cabrera, you know, also had trouble at 13. And then, uh, you know, Birdie's one of the hardest holes, I think, to birdie to coming down the stretch, and that's 16, and then knock it in there three feet on 18. Yeah, it's just, um, you know, hats off to those guys. They really performed nicely under the gun there. Yeah, the golf gods were definitely on Adam's side on that shot. Um, you know, on a on a hot day, I don't know that that ball would have stayed up. But, of course, there are plenty of what-ifs uh, after, uh, after the last putt is sunk, including Tiger with his penalty on... 15, Bob, I know uh, things were just breaking wild and loose Friday after that happened and after Tom Rinaldi did his interview on ESPN. Yeah, it was actually a pretty wild uh, late night Friday into Saturday when it became, you know, there started to be this chatter that uh, he might have taken the wrong drop and then you're you're looking in the rule book and trying to determine what's what and, um, you know, the the, uh, the rule 33-7 that they invoked, which was to basically avoid disqualification. Now, I'll be honest, I hadn't, I, I wasn't aware that that was a possibility, um, you know. And but yet, now that you read it and you see it and understand it, it's a, it's really a good thing. I mean, it, there's so many non-common sense rules in golf, and that to me seems like common sense. Uh, you know, you have a violation that that the whole world could have or should have seen, and nobody did. And then, but so, except for one person or two who call it in, and the Masters people look at it and they decide, well, there's no violation, but they don't even bring it up to Tiger. And then after the fact that when they change their mind, he's going to get disqualified. You know, I, I uh, you know, I know that the, the golf rules with the scorecard are sacred, but I just happen to think that that thing is antiquated. Um, you know, everybody knows what he shot. The penalty is two strokes. Give him the two strokes and move on. And that's what they did. 
You know, I mean, there's so much, there's so much stuff that goes on. Anything that has to do with Tiger, you know, his integrity is questioned. And you know, I just say though, if there'd have been a scorecard issue with anybody else and they got disqualified over it, there'd have been outrage because people just hate the scorecard rule. They think it's really a really, really penal, uh, you know, way too penalizing rule when you consider that the timing of when you uh, sign the scorecard is everything. Were you supp- so um, hopefully we can move on from that. I, I, you know, it's just a, just a really and, – and, you know, the bottom line is, is the t- those two shots really meant a lot. I mean, they were huge to Tiger. Who knows what might have happened down the stretch had he been two shots closer. Were you surprised at the way a lot of people were coming down on uh, on Tiger, or not on Tiger, but on the ruling that they thought he should be disqualified? Well, I mean, there was a couple of things there that you know, they're they're basically taking um, people's integrity into question when they when they say those things. I mean, uh, there were some people that were pretty harsh uh, without all the facts uh, and without knowing the rules. I mean, you know, I, I, honestly, when I heard it. My thought was either they don't penalize him at all or he's going to get disqualified because of the scorecard thing. But just then to read the rule later, the 33-7, and understand how they applied it, you know, the Masters actually fell on their sword. They basically said they, they messed up. They, they should have discussed it with Tiger. They should have told, shown him and given him the opportunity to see what they, what they at first thought wasn't a violation. Um, and again, you know, the people that said he should have disqualified themselves, uh, that he should have disqualified himself, would they have said the same thing about Adam Scott or Brant Snedeker? I, you know, I, I just think Tiger is so polarizing, and there's so much negativity towards him uh, that anything he does, you know, oh, they're they're looking out for him, or it's about ratings. You really think the Masters cares about ratings? They're the best ratings in golf. You know, I mean, they make more money than any tournament. I don't think they care. I think they want to do what's right. And this time, they actually did what's right. Um, you know, just earlier on Friday, there was a lot of people howling about them doing wrong by Guan, the Chinese kid. Like, you know, they gave him a one-stroke penalty for slow play. Nobody gets stroke play penalties for slow play. And you're going to give one to a, to a, to a 14-year-old? 14-year-old? You know, I mean, you could, you know, they, they went harsh on that. So... Um, and that had the potential to make them look really bad. And you can be assured that they wanted him playing the weekend because of the Chinese TV rights, the Asian TV rights. So that's where I, far, I find there, a lot of that uh, chatter discussion to be disingenuous um, because uh, and, and all of it centering around one guy. I tried to write about that a little bit. I just think that if it had been somebody else, the, the, um, the attitude would have been different. Let me ask you another question, being that you represent uh, the sports leader in the media business. You know, there's no other sport where you can have sideline quarterbacks calling in and saying, hey, you know what, you know, Kobe uh, traveled with the ball. I hate that, actually, about golf. I just, uh, I think it's... uh, And when did we get into that slippery slope? Well, they got into it when they basically said that anybody can point out a rules violation and i still wonder you know do you, what happens you call up the number for augusta national and they put you through to somebody yeah I, so, I don't know who to make that call to do yeah, you i mean you know you call the club and they relay the information now they claim they get a bunch of those calls and they look at and, and in fact they got a few on sunday 
and they look at everything. Now, some of them are easily dismissed, you know, but again, it goes back to, you know, I mean, somebody was saying, or I've heard in a lot of places, well, you know, uh, it wouldn't have happened if it weren't Tiger, you know, that he wouldn't have gotten that break. Well, you know, another player wouldn't have been on TV. How many guys do you think made illegal drops last week? I think everybody dropped as close to the spot as they were supposed to. You think that that rule isn't violated all the time? I'm not condoning it. I'm just saying that he's on TV all the time, and so he he gets he he's going to get that kind of scrutiny. And uh, you know, there's there's a rule rules official on every hole with the Masters. There's up there's two other players. It's their job to protect the field. You know, if they're so concerned about Tiger's drop, why don't they go watch it? You know, um, I just, I find it, you know, in a sport that's supposed to police itself, but we let somebody call in from Topeka to police it? I just don't, uh, I've never understood that part of part of it. I don't understand why that's even accepted. Well, there's, there's definitely more to this story, and we could probably spend the entire hour on it. Uh, what are your, uh, what were your final takeaways from this tournament, Bob? Does it rank as one of the best? No, I think it's certainly up there. It wasn't as filled with drama as others, but you know, given who, given the fact that it was Adam Scott, who's a popular player, um, you know, the first Aussie to win, that's been a big, a big topic of conversation. The way he did it in another playoff, uh, you know, Tiger finishing fourth, you know, for all for all the things that happened with him, um, you know, which was he really didn't drive it very well. He didn't hit a lot of greens in regulation. I mean, his stats were off. His putting was off. And he still tied for fourth. It was four strokes back with a two-stroke penalty and with one of the all-time bad breaks. You know, if that ball doesn't go off the pin, maybe he makes birdie there, the worst par. And, uh, you know, things are a lot different. That's a, a four- or three-stroke difference on that hole when you throw in the penalty. And uh, uh, it's, uh, you know, who knows how, how differently things might have played out. We'll, we'll never know, but it's interesting to wonder about. So, yeah, I think it was, uh, you know, a really, a really good tournament. Uh, uh, you know, the Masters is, seems to always provide us that, and, and we got it again. We absolutely did. And as always, we appreciate you spending a few minutes with us. Bob Herrig from ESPN.com. Check him out, ESPN.com. And I uh, know you had a busy week, so we appreciate you calling in and spending a few minutes with us. Thank you. Take care. Thanks, Bob. You're listening to the Golf Insiders, 740 The Game. Stay with us. We've got much more Masters Wrap-Up coming up. We're back. The Golf Insiders. Taking you home on the fairways of I-4. Rich B in the house along with Holly G. Back from the fairways of Augusta. You just can't get tired of that music, Rich. Oh, it's so beautiful. And, uh, you know, it goes along with the golf course. It's so pretty. And, uh, you know, hey, listen, as a spectator, you know, there's only a few things that I do once a year. And uh, that is my uh, journey to Augusta. The big green house. Yeah, it's always interesting to see what's uh, going on there. 77th Masters. Did not disappoint by any means. What an amazing playoff between Angel Cabrera and Adam Scott. And one of our favorites who was there, wire to wire, Todd Lewis from the Golf Channel, never having a fashion faux pas. Best dressed man on the Golf Channel. Hey, Todd. (laughs) 
You know, I'm I'm trying to work my way to be the best dressed man on and on television. So <laughs> you're doing how, good. How much farther do I have to go? Well, uh, Rich was ranting earlier about the uh, matching outfits by the um, players that were on the Adidas team, Todd. So, uh, yeah. you know, he was going down a, a, a bad tunnel there. Sorry, Rich. It, it's fine. We all I got eight hours of sleep that night, even though I saw them in ugly shirts. So don't worry <laughs> about it. Let, let it go. Let I mean, go. no man wants to show up looking like five other guys, do they, Todd? Well, not unless you're on a bowling team. Uh, no. <laughs> Well, I, I know you Todd, and Steve. I didn't know you had a sense of humor like that. Wow, you're really ripping them up. Wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I am. Yeah. Sometimes I'm funny. Occasionally, you call, you call one of my good days. Hey, we don't we don't want to eat up his time here, Rich B. But uh, so Todd, so many stories here. What an amazing playoff. Um, of course, you guys just doing fantastic coverage all week. But um, I, you know, a couple of things. I think it was hard to see how much the rain was affecting. Um, you know, some of the players, particularly the putting, you could see it, I think, with Snedeker, certainly saw it with Tiger, and he shared that after his round. Um, it's it's so hard to see, even on television, the, the slopes of the greens and the contours and, um, you know, just your thoughts in general as as they finish the last nine there with the weather. Well, I'm not saying that they're making excuses, but if you're going to play in an elite level, you've got to make adjustments. I mean, the NFL playoffs, are generally played in cold, sometimes snowy conditions. They are nothing like they play in September, where it's relatively warm or comfortable. So those players have to make adjustments, and sometimes the weather changes. The same is for golf. Um, you have to be ready to, to adjust yourself to the speeds of the greens, the rollout or lack thereof in the fairway, because that's what's going to signif- uh, dignify rather a great player from a good player. And so... Um, and, and Sunday, Adam Scott was able to figure it out. I mean, if he, it took him a while to figure out his putting because Tita Green, he was the best player on Sunday. And he had many opportunities to actually pull ahead and run away from this, but his putter let him down until he got to the 18th hole, actually the, the latter part of the back nine. And that's when he had, you know, things clicked. He had figured it out. He made that great one on the 72nd hole and then made that awesome putt on the second playoff hole. So, um, I, I, like I said, great players have to make adjustments to all kinds of conditions. So that, and Adam Scott was the best one at that. Well, and an all-world player, I would say now. Um, you know, I, I don't know that people know. You know, sort of. I mean, certainly the collapse that he had last year at the British. Uh, this couldn't have been, you know, a bigger turnaround in terms of just, you know, winning the tournament. Uh, yeah, I mean, winning it right down to obviously the last putt. But you know, he's had some ups and downs in his career, particularly back to the Presidents Cup when you know um, Greg Norman selected him in 2009. You know, there was all kinds of uproar about that, and he's really had to dig deep. But what's interesting to me was he said that, you know, that failure at the at the Open Championship really gave him the the belief that he could win a major. Absolutely. He was tested. and I mean, it's like when you touch a red-hot stove. You touch it, you burn yourself, you learn from it, then you, you don't do it again. Unless you're Rich he B. Learned what, <laughs> he learned what not to do down the stretch in a major championship which gave him an opportunity, not to say he was going to win, but gave him the opportunity that he obviously took advantage of. I want to speak on just how global this victory is that Adam Scott uh, picked up over the weekend. He's going to bring more eyeballs to the game, I mean, for a lot of reasons. One, 
I mean, let's face it, the man is dashing. Women want to be with him. Guys want to be like him. So he's going to draw in a female thump, audience. Thump, 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 That, but also globally for Australia, this is a big, big, I can't, I mean, it's hard to describe how big this is unless obviously you are from Australia or you've been to Australia and experienced how great a sporting nation uh, that country is. I mean, you take the fans of the Philadelphia uh, area, the Pittsburgh area, that's the entire country of Australia. And they've, they've had some great national teams. They've had some great individuals that have won the Tour de France and, and, and great tennis events like Wimbledon. But they've never had a Masters champion. Now they have one. And this victory for them, to put it in our perspective, I'm not kidding. It's as big as the 1980 U.S. Olympic hockey team beating the Russians and ultimately winning the gold medal. It is that big in Australia. So he's a world-class player. This should not be a surprise. He's a very, very good player. And another reference I want to make, Phil Mickelson won his very first Masters, which was his very first major, at the age of 34. Adam is 32. That opened the door for Phil, and now he's in the World Golf Hall of Fame. I think Adam Scott is going to follow that same path as Phil Mickelson. Hey, uh, Todd, we appreciate you hanging around and having a chat with us. You know, and I noticed uh, Ian Baker Finch seemed to be getting a little choked up there at the uh, at the end of the year round. Yeah, well, I mean, again, it's a big deal for Australia. Uh, if you watch, if you miss Golf Central, and you can watch it again later this evening, um, I interviewed Mark Leishman today, who had a chance to win the Masters in his second appearance. Mark Leishman is from Australia. He played with Adam Scott on Sunday, and when Adam Scott, he told me, when Adam Scott sank that great putt on the 72nd hole, number 18. He high-fived Adam so hard that it hurt his hand, and he, could, if he, he said if he didn't have – if he had a putt longer than two feet, which, which he had, it would have been hard for him to putt because his hand was hurting so bad and throbbing so bad, as powerful a high-five as he gave Adam Scott. So it was so big. Every Australian um, in the field felt like a part of them won as well, and that's how not only beloved Adam Scott is as an Australian, but in all of golf circles. It's tough to find a nicer human being than Adam Scott. The man walked into the press room at Augusta National where there's so many cynical riders and received a round of applause. Uh, that just tells you how, how much he is loved in the golf circle. That, that's, that is an Olympic moment right there. No, no doubt about it. Um, Todd, yeah, not only that, but um, given, you know, given the pressure, as you said, of, of his country um, you know, riding on his shoulders, but to have collected himself – when he realized that on how he hit the, well, stuck it on 18 after he had holed out. I mean, a lot of guys have won on the putt, that 20-footer that he made. Uh, you know, to have then kind of collected himself and then been able to go out and, and win the playoff, there might have been players that, that might not have been able to do that. Oh, without a doubt. <laughs> but, um, again, that speaks of his pedigree. That speaks of the fact that he, you know, he was in that fire last July at Royal Lytham. And I think he had a better calmness around him, too. And, and another little thing, it's a little tip that he actually revealed this on CBS's uh, early show this morning. Um, he, he was dating somebody from 2004 to 2007. He was totally in love with her. Um, and this young lady, unfortunately, you know, Adam wanted her to follow him around, as most tour girlfriends and wives do. Uh, but this young lady had an established career in Sweden, and she wanted to remain a professional, and it just didn't work out. Uh, so they broke up. Now, they started seeing each other again. 
And, and that relationship has matured, and Adam is really good off the golf course to the point where the Bachelor, the show, the Bachelor is going to make a run at Adam, and he revealed, no, no, thank you. I'm in a very good relationship right now. So, again, this goes back to what we were talking about last week. When, you're, when you, life is balanced off the course, it generally brings good stuff on the course, too, in any profession. So a little inside note, a little e-Hollywood news there regarding Adam <laughs> we, we love when We love when you go there, and uh, it couldn't happen to a more humble guy, I mean, he thanked so many people um, and, and even, you know, gave kudos to, to Greg Norman and said, you know, this was yeah. partially for him. Um, I, I mean, the guy is uh, just, uh, you know, he, he's good for golf, no doubt about it. Absolutely. He will grow the game globally. Um, not to mention, Todd, ratings were up 26% on Sunday, 24% on Saturday. So if this is any indication, whether it's, you know, more, more eyeballs, I'm sure those are probably national ratings, but I, I would have thought last year's would have been a lot closer. Well, again, I, I think this is, uh, fans are, first they love the tournament. Um, and they, I, I believe parts of the northern, or the northern part of the country rather was getting some nasty weather. So it's always good to look at blooming and failures. Um, and the history behind the tournament. It is the Masters. But it also speaks that, you know, this is not necessarily a tiger-driven audience that we have in the world of golf now. Um, and I, I think that echoes that. The ratings do echo that. Well, it's, it's, uh, in some respects, I think maybe that's good for golf, too, because there's so many great players and, uh, you know, it's, it's, I just think it, as, as always, it was a cliffhanger and, and one of the best and, and good for golf. Quintessential golf. Hey, Todd, we appreciate you spending some time with us as always. What's going on tonight on the golf channel? Uh, tonight, well, we're getting ready for the RBC Heritage. Uh, you can see our coverage beginning at 3 p.m. Uh, Eastern Time, and I think the LPGA Tour is in Hawaii, and if I'm not mistaken, uh, they, you can see our coverage. I think it's on tonight. Yes, they started today. Yep. Yeah, start today. It's a little special Wednesday edition, Wednesday evening edition from Hawaii uh, of the LPGA Tour. So great tournament here. I'm, Hilton, I'm in Hilton Head right now getting ready for the RBC Heritage. It's an awesome, awesome event, great golf course, and, and great, great fans and a great field. So It'll be another great week on the Golf Channel. All right. We love it. Todd Lewis from the Golf Channel. And also check out thegolfchannel.com where you can see videos and read all the in-depth stories from their great team. We appreciate it, Todd, so much. You're, You're listening you. to the Golf Insider 740, the game. Masters wrap-up. Stay with us. The Golf Insiders taking you home on the fairways of I-4 in the house. Holly G along with Rich B. 77th Masters in the books, Rich. Oh, I just love that music. Me too. You get that look in your eye, Holly, when I you know. hear that. Oh, mm. fawning of uh, that Freddy, look in my eye. Freddie shooting 73 on Saturday didn't help your uh, outlook. <laughs> but let me tell you, watching Adam Scott, move over, Freddie. He's a stud, this kid. He is the the real deal. And congratulations, Adam Scott. Job well done. Well, we're going to bring in one of our golf insiders who we haven't talked to in a little while, but he was up there covering probably his, I don't know how many, if, masters. But a long-time, long-time writer columnist for the Detroit News. 
And um, past president of the Golf Writers Association of America, we only bring the best to the Golf Insiders. Vartan Capellian, now writing for PGATour.com. Hey, Vartan. Uh, actually, um, you know, you had the perfect segue. You were talking about Adam Scott, the stud, and you came to me, and you just blew it. Well, I'm glad that uh, you footnoted for our audience because okay, stud- you know, I figured you were gonna, I, I figured you were gonna go from Adam Scott to stud to me, you know, and I just didn't happen. So studly you are, and um, yeah. you know when Jim Nance referred to one for the ages. I know, Vartan, you cover uh, the Champions Tour, and I want to talk for a minute about what was going on with this tournament from the over-50 crowd. You had Freddie again in the mix up until a little bit of a collapse on Saturday. You have um, um, Bernhard Bernhard making his run on Sunday. And how about Sandy Lyle making the cut? Who knew? Yeah. Yeah, you know what? I don't think it was a collapse. I mean, we talked about Freddie after the second round. This is an extremely difficult golf course to walk for a 53-year-old guy with a bad back. Freddie just can't, he just can't do it for 72 holes plus a couple of practice rounds or whatever. Extremely difficult. Bernhard is, uh, I'd have to say, more fit than Freddie and, uh. He's the bionic man. Yeah, exactly. And, uh, he's more fit and, uh, he got a really bad break. Uh, and, you know, he just couldn't recover. But, uh, but this is a hard golf course for those old guys to play. And, uh, I shouldn't call them old guys because they're young compared to me. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, I think, I think that was a story. I, I wouldn't call it a collapse. So just difficult, difficult conditions, very difficult golf course to walk. And then with the rain they had, you know, softens the golf course up even more. Uh, it was tough for those guys. But, you know, Freddie always has fun here. So we have fun with him. Yeah, absolutely. And um, he is he is one of my favorites. So um, maybe I was maybe I was being a little too harsh there on Freddie. You know, this is I guess we should also look at and hell Cabrera. I mean, 42, 43. The guy's a grandfather. Uh, yeah, but still, he's he's you know he's a PGA Tour guy. Don't forget Kenny Perry in the uh, the year that Cabrera won it. Kenny Perry almost became the oldest ever Masters champion at 48. That's right. Uh, in in 09, that was when uh, Cabrera won the playoff against Chad Campbell and Kenny Perry. So so there's you know there's, you get those flashes from those guys when they're when they're playing well. But I think I think the longer the golf course gets. I think it's probably maxed out now. Uh, but when you, when you know, when you start getting up around 46, uh, 7,600 yards, and you know, Kenny Perry's not short. He wasn't short, uh, in 09, but it, it just makes it a real grind for those guys. We're talking to Vartan Capellian from PGATour.com. What, uh, was your biggest surprise going into the weekend? We've talked about the situation with Tiger, of course, you know, the 14 year old who, you know, was just amazingly impressive. But, um, I mean, Keegan shooting 82, I mean, what popped out to you is, you know, who who would have thought that? You know, I, I, I'm not sure there was anything uh, because at Augusta there's always going to be, you know, there's going to be somebody who's going to do what Bradley did. I fully expected Ian Poulter, the way he's playing, the way he putts. I mean, I thought he might be a factor. He didn't make the cut, you know. So there's always going to be somebody – uh, more than a, uh, more than somebody, a few somebodies, 
who just aren't, you know, just going to have a bad week for whatever reasons. Um, they're going to hit a couple in Race Creek and get a little bit frustrated and, you know, make things worse. But, uh, you know, I, I don't think there was a surprise. I got to tell you, the 14-year-old from China was just, as you said, amazing. I mean, the kid plays 72 holes on that golf course with no three putts and no double bogeys. 14 years old. Please. Yeah, not only that, but let's look ahead to the Olympics, um, which he will be participating on the China national team three years down the road. So that could be very interesting. No, 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 no. See, I don't look three years down the road because I covered, there was a young woman who was 13 years old, played in the men's event that I happened to cover. Uh, we haven't heard much of her since. You know, there's, there's a, I, I don't know, three years is a long time. You have no idea where this young man is going to be in as a golf game or in his life, you know, who, who would have thought that Michelle Wee would get this far without having any sort of substantial impact on the LPGA, which I think you'd have to admit she hasn't had. So, so it's, it's in golf, in golf years and golf life, three years down the road, no telling what's going to happen. No telling. Hey, they might have, they might have three or four uh, young people who are uh, better than this kid by then. So we'll see. Well, I know you're never um, short of, of opinions, Varton. Of course, a terrific win by a very classy guy in Adam Scott who's really dug himself out after you know his major collapse at, at the Open Championship last year. You know, I love this guy. He wears his emotions on his sleeve. But Sergio, who's going to get a hold of Sergio and give him a little psychotherapy? No, that's what he needs, and he's not going to get it. You know, last year at Augusta, on Sunday, he said that he was no longer a major player, that he didn't think he could ever win a major. Then he shows up this year, has a fine first round, and just disappears. I think, uh, I think psychotherapy's probably not enough. Maybe electric shock therapy. <laughs> uh, I mean, you know, it's too bad because, uh, you know, he's a popular guy. He, he, he brings a lot of charisma to the game, but, uh, you know, maybe, maybe there's another example. Okay, let's let's dial back to uh, let's dial back 15 years to Sergio Garcia challenging Tiger at Medina, Medina. the PGA Championship, right? I was now, there. Okay, wouldn't you have thought that you know 15 or 14 years later that this kid would have won like six majors by now? We thought that you know, might have been he, the rivalry, didn't we? Well, that's right. So you know, a, a lot happens in three or four years. You're, you know, life changes, life goes on. Uh, Sergio certainly isn't hurting for a payday. He's got more money he'll ever be able to spend. But, uh, but you know, so it's hard to it's hard to look down the road three years and say, okay, this is what's going to happen, or this is a guy who's going to be in the field challenging for whatever whatever title it is. But you're right. I think mentally, emotionally, he's a wreck right now. And that's too bad because because he does have charisma. He brings a lot to the game, and uh, it's frankly, you don't have to be a a Sergio fan, but it's sad to see. Yeah, it sure is because he, you know, he he has so much charisma, and you just want to kind of shake him and say, Sergio, snap out of it. All right, Martin. Yeah. We we appreciate it. we got to run, but we'll okay. look forward okay. to having you back on Vartan right. Capellian, PGA Tour dot com. Check him out. You're listening to the Golf Insider seven forty the game. Stay with us. We'll be right back.
back, the Golf Insiders. Wrapping up an hour of intelligent golf talk in the house, Holly G, along with Rich B. Back from Augusta, we flipped the coin, Rich, and you had a double-sided headed quarter. And I get to win, and I get in for free as a PGA member. This is part of the uh, uh, perks of being a member of the Professional Golfers Association of America. And I'll How tell good you, is that? It's a pretty good one. I, I think I have to go legit. There are uh, as a, a lot member of, people, of the media. There are a lot of people that take advantage of that, by the way, and uh, it's a great, great thing that uh, we're able to take advantage of going up to Augusta and getting into the pearly gates up there. Absolutely. So we want people to check out our new website, thegolfinsiders.com, and like us on Facebook, the Golf Insiders. And Rich P, what was your takeaway this year at Augusta? What stuck out to you as a little bit different? You know, I really think they went uh, above and beyond. You know, this place is immaculate uh, to begin with. And, you know, I, I think the attention to detail is really uh, – and they, they put everybody to work in the town of Augusta. It's amazing uh, that everybody gets a chance to work, you know, and, uh, you know, greens keepers from around the state of Georgia – and around, around the, the world, yeah, I'm sure. Uh, you know, are you know asked to come back year after year and uh, help with the uh, uh, maintenance of the uh, golf course. It's really, really quite a sight. Well, we checked in with him last week live from uh, the press room, and we're going to finish up our final Masters wrap up here with Gary Smits from the Florida Times Union up in Jacksonville. Hey, Gary. Hey, Al. How are you doing? Doing great. So. Um, your your thoughts on this unbelievable playoff and, of course, uh, you know, probably one of the most popular guys on tour, Adam Scott, winning the green jacket. Yeah, and it, it was tremendous because, uh, it first of all, it kind of saved everybody from having to write a controversial story. You know, with Tiger, if Tiger had won, then, you know, it really would have kind of exploded. And the good news is he also lost by more than two shots. So that kind of speculation was out the window. As it turned out, we didn't have to worry about that. Uh, obviously, the, the one thing that made this playoff special is, is there have never been two guys going to a playoff in a Masters who birdied the 18th hole to get to the playoff. You know, they were both tied for the lead. And I thought my favorite moment, my favorite moment, was Adam Scott making the 30-foot putt in regulation, kind of throwing his arms up in the sky, high-fiving Stevie, hugging Stevie, kind of taking a little bit of a victory lap and acknowledging the fans and, and Cabrera is still sitting back in the fairway and uh, probably thinking, you know, do you think you guys could clear the green so I can hit my shot? And then he kind of stuffed up there to four feet as, as if to say, hey, uh, kid, I got a little something left for you. Yeah, there's okay? a little game left and in this bag. It, yeah, and it was, it, was, it, was, it was a great moment, and it won a, won a many on that day. It, yes, he probably would be hard-pressed to find a more popular winner on an international level than Adam Scott. Possibly if Rory had – had won that tournament, uh, you know, but it's on a, on a large scale. I can't picture somebody winning that tournament that would have been a more popular choice than Adam Scott. I, I agree. But uh, on Hal Cabrera, we must, uh, you know, give some kudos to him as well. What a gentleman. Uh, how gracious was he? I loved the thumbs up when they both uh, hit it on 10, the second playoff hole. I mean, mm-hmm. it was just a great um you know, just great sportsmanship. Yeah, Angel and Adam have a little bit of a history. Uh, I, I think I believe it was Gary Player who started playing them together in President's Cup, and they made it. You know, they have similar games. They both hit it long. They both hit a lot of greens. 
And despite what Adam thinks of himself, you know, he's still a pretty good putter, whether he's got the long putter or the regular putter. And they, have, they get about the same games, and sometimes that works. Sometimes in mass play, you try to get the guys with the different games. That one works. I think it's just the temperament between the two of them. Uh, it, actually, Cabrera is a little bit more high-strung than Adam is. That, that was the other surprise of the day was, was Adam getting so emotional both after the putt in regulation, the putt in the playoff, and then at the Green Jacket ceremony, not on TV because he was very, very laid back on that, but we're going out watching the Green Jacket ceremony out on the front lawn, and he you know, he, he really got emotional, really got demonstrative again. And, and uh, you said that's not Adam Scott, but you know what? He's He's been he's got some unfulfilled potential for nine years since he won the Players Championship. The youngest guy to ever won the Players, and everybody thought the next great Australian. And uh, and it's been it's been a burden for him to carry. And he, and he and winning any major would have done that. Winning the British Open would have done that. But I think winning the Masters might have even lifted it even more. Completely agree. We just got a couple of minutes here, Gary. Um, I I do want to. Talk for a few quick minutes about the heritage coming up. Um, and also, you know, Brand Snedeker not closing the door on his first Masters and he really sounded like he was, he was in the zone and he was going to go out there and win it. Um, you know, your thoughts on what happened to Brandt and then, you know, his possibilities of winning, winning the tournament next week. Well, Brandt, Brandt's, uh, still fairly young and he, he's the type who lets one bad break get to him on the 10th hole when he horseshoed that putt out of there. He went up to it a little bit carelessly. He, he needed to take his time, and uh, you know he was he was kind of done after that. Uh, you know, the Harris is a really good week after to the Masters, and sometimes the schedule didn't work out that way. But it's back on track with that. It's at a short, tight course. Uh, you don't have to be a bomber to win it. You do have to be pretty precise. The galleries are laid back. The players are a little bit. The ones who have been in the Masters and still go to the, the Heritage. It's almost like this. They've been pricked by they're, they're a big balloon blown up, and they've been pricked a little bit and released all the pressure. And they really have a good time, and it kind of reflects with the galleries. They kind of feed on that and everything. And it it's it's like a it's like it's almost like spring break on the PGA Tour. Well, it's a great tournament uh, up there at Hilton Head Island, and uh, nothing better than Harbor Town where it's located. And it's only five hours away. Yeah. So, so yeah. easy, easy and, drive uh, if anybody wants to get in their car and head up there. Who do you think is going to be the winner? Uh, they got a pretty good field. We just have about uh, 30 seconds left. Uh, you know, Furyk's in it, Boo Weekly, Ernie Els, Graham McDowell, I, Matt Kuchar. Yeah, I got one for you, Ernie Els. He played pretty good at Augusta last week, and uh, he's he's uh, you know been playing well. So I'm I'm going to go with Ernie to win that for a second time. That would be uh, that would be a big win, or maybe our own Brian Gay from here in Orlando. He's he's been a past winner. And Rich B, who are you going with? I like Brian Gay. Uh, he's won there before. You yeah. Well, yeah, Rich is right. I mean, it's, it's exact. He, Brian has got the exact game to win at Arbortown. Absolutely. I mean, Thank you so much, it. Gary Smiths. We appreciate you spending some time with us, and we're going to be previewing the TPC coming up soon. We appreciate you spending a few minutes with us. That's it for us Hi, tonight. I'll be there. Great show. Thanks, everyone. Bob Herrick, Barton Capellian, Todd Lewis, and Gary Smits. We love our audience. We love golf. Go out and play. Thanks for listening.